So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. Well, hello, honey. Hello, hello. It's good to be across the table from you once again. I know. I can actually stretch my hand and hold your hand and touch you. Yes, we had been separated for several months while I was taking care of some business in the United States, and I just got back, and this is my second full day, and I'm dealing with jet lag, and there's all kinds of fun stuff that go with that. (laughs) But uh, what do you think? Should we go ahead and do this podcast, honey? Sure, why not? The three most difficult things to say, I'm sorry, I need help, and Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Wait, wait, wait. What? Huh? What kind of sauce is that? Uh, it's a, you put it on steaks. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, so it actually exists. Yeah, it's a real thing. I thought it was just a joke. No, it's. I, I think if you would, I think the correct pronunciation is Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> it's <just> really <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Yes, because in England, it, it has to be an English name, because mm. there's a city in England, and you spell it L E I C E S T E R. And they pronounce it Leicester. Leicester, yeah. So it, it looks like it should be Leicester, right. but they just say Leicester. Yeah, I think Jed Clark is from Leicester. Oh, your colleague, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's why I could never live in England, because I can't speak the language. Right, like, for example, Staffordshire. It's, mm-hmm. sta- it's written Staffordshire, but mm-hmm. we never say Staffordshire. <clears throat> University, we say Staffordshire. Right. Anyway, using that rule from Leicester, England, it would be Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. But it does not roll off the tongue easily, I'll tell you. Why can't we just call it barbecue sauce? Because it's not barbecue sauce. It's a very distinct uh, flavor to it. There's Heinz 57 sauce that you put on steak. There's all kinds of different steaks. And this is just, I think, probably a lot of vinegar. I don't know what they put in it, but it's just a very distinct flavor. So it's not barbecue sauce. I guess I have it here. Oh, Sana actually has it in the kitchen. This whole time, she's just... I just <laughs> Let's see here. No, I think it's not. No, that's chili and pepper from McCormick's. That's not Worcestershire sauce. Right. Worst... Oh, my goodness. You gotta make it musical. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. It's like you say Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Make it like triplets and then a downbeat. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. This podcast is awful. It's the worst to share with people. Sounds like something from The Wizard of Oz. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. So tell me, honey, how was your trip? It was uneventful. 
which is exactly how I like it. We'll get to the uh, the fireworks, which came after the trip, but the trip itself was actually really nice. I left Norfolk, Virginia on the 19th of January, Wednesday, at about 5, almost 6 p.m. Uh, flew into Philadelphia, had a short layover there. Flew to Doha, Qatar, where I had a very long layover. It was about 15-hour layover. And I'm sure you want to talk about your experience in Doha. What experience in Doha? The hotel. Yes, I was just about to say that I uh, have wised up from trips past. Uh, last year, when I flew to Hanoi, I had a, I think it was a at least a 12-hour layover in Doha, and oh. It's a great airport, and they have these quiet rooms where they have these like seats or these reclining sofa-type chairs set up that are available to the general public for no cost, which is lovely. It's great. You know, airports in the U.S. that I'm aware of don't have that. But even with that, <clears throat> you know, you can lay down on it, and you can sleep for a couple of hours, but you're not really going to sleep because you're bag is right there. You're thinking you just can't really rest like that. So I wised up and there's an air, or there's a hotel right w- within the airport in Doha. And I booked it uh, about three weeks before I took off. And thank goodness I did because they were fully booked by the time I got there. Just in the couple of minutes while I was at the desk checking in, there were at least three people that came up and said, do you have any rooms? And sorry, we're all booked up. How many rooms are there? Um, I would guess there's maybe 40. Only 40? Yeah. So it's... It's very little. It's very scarce. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like... it's not. I thought they should have at least 400 rooms, 500 rooms. Well, it is an airport, honey. So it's not like... Within the airport. Yeah, you don't exactly... It's not exactly a Disneyland resort. Mm -hmm. So their space is very limited. But uh, thank goodness they have it. And um, it was worth the, the the significant cost for it because I was able to chill out, take a shower, which is wonderful after a 12-hour flight, which was preceded by a short flight. But still, at that point, you're in the you're you've been traveling for 20 hours, including airport time. It's and it, you're just ready to take a shower and. If I didn't do that, I would have had a 15-hour layover plus a six-hour flight to Hanoi. And I would have been, I would not have been the happy, easygoing James that walked out of the terminal in Hanoi that I was on Friday. Honey, you're a warrior. The things that you've gone in your life and you still smile and you're calm and you're grateful. Yeah, warriors wise up and they do what has to be done to get the job done. I mean, even if you were, even if, for example, you were one of those passengers who would um, not met his luck that night to get a room, I think when I see you on Friday, you would have been happy. Oh, yeah, of course. Cheerful. Yeah. Because that's how you are. Yeah, I, that that is how I am, I think. I hope so. But at the same time, you know, you you just wise up to the things and you don't and and you just learn tricks of the trade and actually I, <clears throat> I have a couple of tips that I'd like to share on how to not uh defeat jet lag but how to um some mitigate 
to some degree the effects of jet lag. Flying <clears throat> from the United States to Vietnam, where it's a 12-hour time difference, is uh, not insignificant. And there are some things that I have picked up that I have learned to um, adjust to the new time zone so that the uh, adjustment isn't as extreme as it was the first time that I came in August of 2019. That was that was tough. That was the time that I got caught up in that all that nonsense with the Hong Kong airport protesters, and my flight was canceled because of the protesters. And then I had to st- stay overnight. And that was the very first time we were going to meet each other. So I'm meeting my future wife for the first time, and I get off the plane in Hong Kong, and it says, your flight to Hanoi has been canceled. <laughs> I was about to buy a flight to come there. <clears throat> From here to there? They wouldn't have let you in. Right. That's why we right. decided not to do that. Right, right, right. At any rate, I was able to fly out the next day, thank goodness. That was scary. You just have to get the job done, honey. Anyway, the most important thing to overcome jet lag is you have to be aware of your circadian rhythm. Now, when I'm in the east coast of the United States, Virginia to be specific, I get up at a certain time, usually about six, seven o'clock in the morning, and I go to bed a certain time, usually nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, and your body just gets used to that. It takes a couple of weeks to get fully used to that. So when you get into Hanoi, well, your body is telling you that it's three o'clock in the morning and you should be asleep right now. But you look at your, you look at your watch and you're somewhere over the, somewhere over Germany, let's say, because you're halfway to Doha and in Germany, it's, it's, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning and it's full daylight. So the best thing that you can do when you're flying is to just get up out of your seat and just look out the window and when, when it's sunshine, just look at the sunshine. And it's not like you're fooling your body, but you're sort of fooling your body into thinking, wait a minute, I'm, I'm supposed to be asleep right now. It's two o'clock in the morning, but I'm looking at the, the, sun, the sunlight. In a way, you're kind of helping your circadian rhythm adjust to your new time zone, for lack of a better term. That's the best thing you can do. And it doesn't take long. It takes 15 minutes. You just, there's those huge jumbo jets that you fly on. They've got the, the windows right by the exit seats. You just, just look out the window for 10, 15 minutes, a couple of times during the flight. That does so much to reset their circadian rhythm. The second thing is to avoid telling yourself, well, it's six o'clock in the morning in Virginia. If you're not in Virginia, you're not in Virginia. If you're in Doha, like I, I set my clock for Hanoi time before I even left Virginia. Like when I took, took off from Philadelphia, which is my connecting flight to Doha, I was out of the United States. And I did not say, well, it's six o'clock in the morning in, in the US. So I should be tired right now, or I should be awake right now. No, I, I said it is 6 p.m. in Hanoi right now. The minute the plane left in Philadelphia, in my mind, I was in Vietnam, even though physically I wasn't. 
even when I was in Doha waiting for my connecting flight. It left at 10 o'clock Doha time, or Qatar time, but my watch was set for 2 o'clock p.m., which was Vietnam time. And so those are a couple of things. Uh, the sec- Another thing that you can do is you just wait, if possible, wait until it's just the normal time to go to sleep. Eat at the normal time you would eat. If you're starving, uh, let's say it's three. Let's say you land at three o'clock in the afternoon, and you're exhausted, and you're hungry, and you're tired. You ask yourself, "What would I do if it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was hungry?" Well, you would have a an energy bar or something. You'd have a little snack, right? Have a snack, but then have your dinner. Don't like. Don't have a big meal right when you feel like you need to have a big meal. It's possible. You can have the self-restraint necessary to wait until 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, have your meal. Uh, You can get out with your bare feet on the grass. That will help you to ground with the earth and get the earth's magnetic frequencies pulsing into your body, and that will help you reset the circadian rhythm to your new surroundings. Uh, But those are just a couple of tips. Worst thing that you can do is just tell yourself yeah, that you're still in the place that you just left. Things like, yeah, it's six o'clock in the morning in Virginia, so I should be awake right now. Just don't even say that. Put it out of your mind and say it's 6 p.m. in Hanoi, and I'm going to be going to bed in four or five hours. I'm not a really wine expert, but um, I thought this would be one of the choices you may like. Yes, I did. I did like it. You've done your share of traveling, but it's most, mostly been in Asia, hasn't it? I think the longest was when I went to South Africa. From Thailand to Kenya was about 18 hours Whoa. direct flight. And uh, yeah, we didn't. I think we <clears throat> stopped at Doha to get fuel, mm-hmm. but we didn't leave the aircraft. Oh, okay. Wow. So I remember when I reached to Nairobi, I felt, I felt I'm going to kill myself. I was like, yeah. And I was thinking how people stay in prison for so many years. But anyways, and then um, about two hours layover in Kenya, Nairobi, another six hours to South Africa. Wow. You know, my flight from, I think my first trip here, I flew to Dallas, I want to say. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then flew to Dallas, uh, to Hong Kong from Dallas, and that was 16 hours. That was the longest flight I've ever been on. In the sky. <clears throat> in the sky, in that small little seat, and you it makes you have a tinge of envy for those people in the first class. <laughs> but then you see the price, you're like, well, it's 16 And it hours. doesn't really make change, honey. Yeah, I don't think it's significantly better. You have a bigger TV screen. You're able to rec- recline. But it's, it's, I don't think it's worth the price, honestly. It's just the fancy look of it. Yeah. Make you feel, oh, it's first. It makes you feel rich. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I just hope that this all ends. Cause It'll end soon. We're, we're just waiting. We're waiting to start our life together. And we started our life together, I mean, to settle down. We've started our life together, 
with a great deal of uh, there's a great deal of uncertainty and it's it's difficult to uh like settle down like you said it's when i i'm always have to go back to the u.s for, for this and that and there's all this uncertainty about the visa when's it going to be approved we've given them everything they've asked for and they still keep asking for the same things we have started our life but in some ways we haven't really started our life and it's really frustrating there's so many things that we want to do as a husband and wife that you just can't with all of this uncertainty but you can't say that we have had it easy the things that we have endured just in the first two years of our marriage and three years of knowing each other what couple has gone through this i mean we just we've just had curveball after curveball thrown at us and we just carry on it's just because we have we are both believers and we have god on our side yeah we have a big faith we believe in god and we also believe in the marriage we believe in each other we yeah. respect each other we love each other we just have belief in 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 us belief in us i believe in you you believe in me and together we believe in this marriage it's not like so uncertain because any major 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 decision for our future we always talk to each other and it's it's not like we are missing the important issues it's like my parents when we were a kid they were always separated because you know with higher position comes greater challenge and if you want to take the challenge um you have to sacrifice your family your time your uh, things that you love to do you know mm-hmm. and uh, but that doesn't mean that your love and your commitment to your marriage is void because right. you choose to build your future for your kids and i think that's what my parents did for me and my sister maybe when we were a kid we we cried a lot and we wouldn't understand but now that we are me and my sister we are in that position where they when where our parents were where we now understand and appreciate you know so i i kind of look at our marriage the same way i feel like you are in the mission you have uh when we married it's not like we said goodbye to our own responsibilities in life we had and we start all over again something we haven't start writing a new book about our life we are writing a new chapter with reference to whatever we brought into this marriage right and um i am i'm a lecturer and i love my job what i do and i am i chose to be here because i chose this university to work for if i didn't come here i was in another university or i was in the previous university in with singapore and marrying you definitely even if i wanted to leave it would have you know taken some time to yeah. clear everything i i am <clears throat> i have a lot of responsibility where i work yes I don't talk about my work and job much, <laughs> but I have a lot of projects and files in my hand. Sana has it actually been courted to be like the dean of certain schools? I just said no last month. It was the rector's birthday. I wished him well and he said, "Do you have time? Can I call?" And he said, 
you said I'm coming back. You're not, but we all missed you. Everybody knows something is missing. The laughter, you were loud in the corridors, and we want that back. And this is the offer uh, we gave you, and you said no. But I want to add something to it and send it again back to you. And I said to him, I don't want to bring his name up here. But I told him right now my life is in a situation that I cannot take up big responsibility. But uh, maybe in the future when I am settled, I can talk to my husband and see the opportunity maybe for two years contract in this position that you're offering. Right. This is and he's... No, that's Management Institute of Singapore, Management Development Institute of Singapore. That's one thing. And there are a lot of opportunities coming up because my name is quite here and there in places where I build something and I just tell them, no, I am here with this contract and there are other plans. I am. So Sana is like turning down all of these really prestigious offer, offers because of the situation with the visa, part of what makes it so frustrating is we can't, we just can't plan. We can't make plans that affect us, our future, until this thing gets resolved. Sometimes it just eats you up because, you know, when you are moving on in life and you, you've, you've been successful. I mean, success for me is... Uh, to be happy and I see the fruits of my work you know and suddenly when a person who is steady going forward for so many years suddenly the life become you know you go mad if you put yourself in my shoe or anybody I mean I am not to the level of very uh, consistent and persistent people I try as much as possible to be that but just I am telling myself if I put myself instead of that person it's really make you depressed that one day you are so focused and now everything is just, you know, uh, you have no control over it. I have always control over everything around me. That's why I never tried. I never failed. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, it's just like fail, fail, fail. And this cloud over my head is giving me mental issues, depression, and everything else. Yeah, these circumstances are unfamiliar to you. When you were single, you had autonomy over your life, over your decisions. And now that you're married, you have a, a husband to think about. Not just me, but this, but it's the, like the marriage. Like you can't make a decision to take this position. Honey, but I don't want you to take it wrong. I'm no, just I, I, sharing with you what's happening in my body and my mind. No, I understand what you're saying. I absolutely love you. Yes. I am not afraid or ashamed to tell anybody. I don't care who you are. Whether you are a janitor or you are a successful president of a country, my love for you will be the same. But what I'm saying is that up until you got married, you had pretty much full autonomy over your life. If you... Were presented with some job offer, you could take it immediately. immediately if you wanted it, and if you didn't want it, then you'd say sorry, respectfully decline it. But now that you're married, you have this marriage to think about, and you're th- and and you say, well, I can't accept this right now because 
we're waiting on this issue and we have to get an answer on this before we can make any decisions. And this has caused some uh, turmoil inside your mind because I think in, in some ways it might be a good thing because you're learning to let go of control. Right. And one thing I didn't tell you. So the rector was telling me, what if we also give a job to your husband? You guys can have your own offices and you can just be here because they, recently they opened up a new campus, mm -hmm. which is attached to the old campus. And last year they got 2,000 new student entry foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's huge. <laughs> so they need a lot of people and they want native speakers who can teach management and stuff like that. And I was like, I told him, no, my husband is a business owner and he doesn't have time. He can probably fly as a junk lecturer, right. a block teaching that we had before. Because in Singapore, I used to be in charge of getting recruiting people to come from all around the world for a block teaching of 10 days. 9 to 12, 1 to 7, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and they pay very good. For one week, we used to pay the cheapest around fifteen to $20,000. And usually, most of the time, students take them for lunch, dinner, show the culture and stuff. So it's literally fun. Fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 per year? Per that seven days block teaching. <clears throat> Wait, seven days you get paid $20,000? Yeah, these are adjunct lecturers from top universities. And you said no? No, it was... It was, Rector was asking me, additionally to the contract for the dean position, that we can give also a position for your husband. Oh, I see. Because I said, I am married. He thought, because I'm married and I have this attachment because of responsibility of housewife, I cannot leave you and go there. Right. So it was like, what if we have all of you here, give you a house, car, and I'm like, it's, I said, doctor, blah, blah, blah. It's not that. It's just that. You know, it's not the right time for me to do this. Because I ran it by you and you said no. And plus, it's not because of you. Because we also, dis we talked together and we noticed if I move, my case is going to have a lot of complication. Yes. And that's the last thing I want right. at this point. Right. It's to... very fragile. So we're, we're in the situation where we just have to stay here. Yeah. And Sana just had this you know, really prestigious, potentially lucrative offer. And she said, I can't take it. You probably wanted to take it, but you said, I can't. Honestly, every day and night, I feel like, why not? I have to, I should have been, <laughs> if but this was 2018, I will not, I will even pay six months of my salary to this university to go there because I really like that campus. Right. I like Singaporean <clears throat> style. Well, you're making decisions that are in the best interests of your marriage. Yes. And that is a, it's difficult, but it's very cleansing. Because look at us, we're here um, just enjoying each other, loving each other. Is this what we have? Is this better than the job that you were offered? Honey, I love you so much and I would not exchange Every moment that I have with you, you're my family. You're, you're basically the only one I have in my life right now. Right. I will not exchange it for anything. I am of the belief that when you take a stand on principle like that, and you um, turn down an offer like that, for example, uh, 
and you do it for the reasons that you've just said, I'm married, we have this fluid situation with this visa, and I just can't take it. I, I firmly believe that if you do that because of a principle, that when the time is right, you will have a door open that will exceed even what they've offered you. Hopefully, um, yeah. I look forward to it because I believe in my ability and right. I know I know I can, when I promise to my employer, yeah. I will do my and best. This, this thing is, it, this campus is in Singapore? I will be in Tashkent, but there is a new campus in Kazakhstan. There is a campus in India, in Singapore, in Thailand and China. So I will be flying a lot. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Because I have to make partnerships as well. I, see. I have to go to UK and make partnership with new universities. I don't know if I told you, I taught already for University of Bangor, Wales, Bradford, Sunderland, and now Staffordshire and rest of London. And for, I think it was one and a half year or two years, I had a contract from University of Southern Cross, Australia. Mm-hmm. Directly, right. I have that. Well, I think the rule is once you get your visa... Uh, once you enter the U- the U.S., you're required to stay there for a full year. Uh, but after that, I-, I think the best thing to do is once we have this interview scheduled and we get the visa approved, you call this guy up and say, this is my situation. I can take the job in a year. Mm-hmm. If we decide that... He said anytime. Anytime you're ready, okay. let me know. I All said right. sure. I can I can support that. I said my husband's job is mostly on media. He said we will provide him anything he needs. I said he has his uh, instrument and tools. He just needs a very quiet office or whatever. And he said we will make sure that if you you accept this, we'll make sure your husband have his corner in the university, mm-hmm. but he has to also, you know, teach. teach. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's definitely because well, that's part of his job. Yeah, that's part of the deal. Right. You have to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I could get behind. I think if Gabriel, Gabriel is just seven, eight, I mean, mm-hmm. we need another eight years. But if Gabriel was a teenager, I could get him into this university totally. to study Bradford or Wales because these are top universities in the world. And uh, when he was only 16, I could get him study there. No need to wait for 18, 19. Get his first degree, make him mobile with that degree to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. That Those piece of papers are important. They are. People respected me when I was just 22, 23 years old because they knew I am getting a piece of paper. Yeah, and they're very different than the degrees, so-called, that you get at these fact, these uh, degree mills, diploma mills in the U.S. No. that are all commercial. They're all all money-making businesses. That, And you get a degree, but what is it really worth? It gets you a job, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a master's degree. It's in a field that I that I wanted to study. I didn't pursue it because I was going to get a job in government, but that's what I studied. But a degree at one of these universities where Sana's talking, it's it's a big deal. It's like job security. It's it's kind of like going like if you go to Harvard or Yale or Dartmouth or some of these Ivy League, Ivy Leagues uh, schools. That's like. It's it's a matter. It's not a matter of will you get a great job. It's a matter of which great job will you get. And the pecking order is very different from going to the local community college. Very very different. It's just not apples and oranges. And that's 
maybe that's a good comparison of going to these universities that Sana's talking about. You get a degree from here, you attend here, and you go through the coursework, and it's real coursework. It's real. It's rigorous. Mm-hmm. You finish it, and that's really significant. It's a real accomplishment. Right. And Sana's former students, they are sharp. They're brilliant. They're the salt of the earth. One of my students, he was only 25 or 6 years old. The president made him deputy education minister. He wow. stills right to me. He tells me, Misana, you told me, don't get involved. I got involved. I don't regret, but you're right. It's not easy. He's married. He has kids. And sometimes I receive his message maybe late, over 12, 1 a.m. I don't want to give his name. But but Sana's students, like you, you listening to Sana, you can see that she's very articulate. She's very brilliant. She's very extremely smart. And the apple does not fall far from the tree. Like her students are, they're just the salt of the earth. Very sharp, very smart, polite, courteous. You've met two of them here as well. Yeah. The two guys. They're good kids. So adults, they're just 20. Right. <laughs> the they're way they talk. Kids. They're like accomplished. <laughs> They've accomplished more than most people will, will accomplish in their lives. So it's, I think it's just different expectations. If you go to Harvard, you're expected to make something of yourself. <laughs> you go to Juilliard, you, there's just expectations. It's very funny. You keep saying Harvard because when I was... 19 years old, I was thinking what I'm going to study, where I'm going to go. And I'm, I had this pride in me that I have to uh, go in a very prestigious, you know, name or whatever, university. And I was like, maybe I should do Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> but I never, <laughs> it's just the idea of it was in America and I really didn't want to go. Right. Well, uh, American pop culture, Harvard is like the gold standard of high education. If you go to Harvard... That is that that name above any other name is probably. I actually work with two ladies who were graduate from Harvard from U.S. Uh, one, she is the managing director of Exim Bank Africa, um, IMF. She was the I think chief financial officer of IMF because I had projects building budget housing in Africa and we had to have meeting with her and she became so close to me. And she talked about, and my direct boss, who was the, she was a kind of MP in, not kind of, she was MP in Thailand. She was my direct boss. She's a graduate from Harvard University. Mm. And these women, when you were, when I was with them, I was like, I have to be better than them. (laughs) The authority they talk, I have to talk authoritative, Mm. you know. And the positions they put me in at that time, uh, it was I was in charge of different country, different countries in Middle East and Africa. They come to Thailand and they come for the investment project and stuff like that. And through that, I have met so many prime ministers, minister of I don't know what, and so on. And I had to learn so much how to present to them all these projects, like nanotechnology. <sighs> People go, I studied nanotechnology by myself. Right. What formulas work and everything. All my work, I have it in my, you saw my passport, the white one. All my work are there. 
I, I look at them now, I have no idea what are those graphs and whatever I created to show them and explain to them everything. But yeah, I think the best education is what you give yourself. I thank my universities because they it was really hard. They made me cry. Um, it, it's been said only in my university. Every semester we had seven modules and uh, they made you work really hard. But when I graduated and I saw how I compared myself with all the other same age, you know, women or boys, and I saw how I have that confidence when they are asking something in a maybe focus group or in a meeting and I just raise my voice and talk and I'm not shy, that means I have enough knowledge in my brain that I, you know, feel confident to talk about that topic. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that's what university gave me. But at the same time, the knowledge they gave me was so limited. I had to expand on it. And that's where your education, self-education come in. Yes, 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 yes. Well, this has been a stimulating dialogue, honey. Very good. In the next episode, we are going to discuss the three ways to peel an orange. Or the three things that people have difficulty to say. Right. I'm sorry, I need help, and worst to share sauce. I said it, worst to share sauce. Congratulations. Because I relate that to three words. Worst to share. Worst to share sauce. Worst to share? Yeah. Worst to share. Worst to share sauce. It's worse to share than not to share? Right, exactly. Worcestershire sauce. Brilliant. This is my wife, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) She made the difficult infinitely It's not difficult. Exactly. Because you made it easy. Worcestershire. That's how I used to study. You know how you studied also, you know? You you studied very difficult major. I don't think I can even pass any module in government law. (laughs) (laughs) I would never be able to do that. But you understand how some of the modules, one chapter has like 20 different theories and each of them have five, you know, choices. Mm-hmm. For example, I just sent you one, a Hofstede dimension of culture. There yes. are like so many. after, And then each of them have another five or six. And how I would remember them for exams? I had to link it to some word. That's how actually Tony Buzan created mind map and linking the word with picture and image because in our human mind when you look at something you tend to remember it better when somebody say it in a word or you read it Mm -hmm. so how are we going to make that work for us when we read a book we try to link it to a picture okay right Mm. right for example if i want to imagine Mm -hmm. you i look at the chair (laughs) and that reminds me of you the chair Who's just sitting there doing nothing? No. Watching football? It's just an example. Well, this has been a good episode, honey. I enjoyed this. All right, should we give the call to action for our three listeners that have stuck it out to the bitter end? Right, let's do it. We do it together this time. Okay. Yeah, go to... Okay, all right, okay. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Bavoshtan with James and Sana. To learn more about us and to subscribe to our free daily e-newsletter, 
Go to James, James and dot com. Okay, we could do it again. James. James one. Okay, I do one word, you do the next. James and Sana dot com. <laughs>